Welcome, and thank you for joining us on Birth Mother Matters in Adoption with Kelly Rourke Scary, where we delve into the issues of adoption from every angle of the adoption triad. Kelly is the executive director, president, and co-founder of Building Arizona Families Adoption Agency in Phoenix, Arizona, the Donna K. Evans Foundation, and the You Before Me campaign. She has a bachelor's degree in family studies and human development and a master's degree in education with an emphasis in school counseling. She was adopted when she was three days old. She was born to a teen birth mother raised in a closed adoption and reunited with her birth mother in 2007. Our goal with the Birth Mother Matters and Adoption podcast is to spread awareness and education about the beautiful choice that is adoption. Today, um, we're going to discuss an article that I came across on the internet from factretriever.com. We're going to go over some of the facts in the article that is titled 98 Interesting Facts About Adoption by Karen uh, Lenart, um, and it was published in 2017. So I, as I was looking at some adoption facts, I found this absolutely fascinating because there were the way that it was compiled, I learned things. And I know that sounds like, well, why is that a surprise? Because right. sometimes, you know, I hear things over and over again and I love to learn new things. It's one of my favorite things to do. And in going through this, there were some that really stood out to me. So Ron, let's take a look at some of these 98 interesting facts about adoption. Yeah, dive right in. So off the top, one that I found interesting, that prior to the development of infant formula in the 1920s, most adoptees were older children. The reason that it was so fascinating is at that time and prior, a lot of people were using wet nurses, I believe, at that point. Okay. So the breastfeeding thing kind of, you know, once there was formula, it made it more available for people to adopt babies. Right. Because if not, you'd have to have a wet nurse. Okay. And I think those phased out. And so, I mean, if you adopted you prior to that, you could use a wet nurse and that was really your only option. Interesting. Did you have a wet nurse? No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah. So I found that that was, that was really interesting to me. That prior to that, they would have had to use a wet nurse because you're right. How else would you feed a baby? Mm-hmm. More than 60% of children in foster care spend two to five years in the system before being adopted. Almost 20% spend five or more years in foster care before being adopted. Some never get adopted. This is always so sad to me. Yeah. This one wasn't surprising. I do know the statistics um, where it got me was just reminding me of some of the birth mothers that have come into the agency and choosing adoption for their baby to avoid this very thing. The one I found interesting that kind of caught my attention was actually a couple of facts about the orphan train movement. Apparently between 1854 and 1929, about 200,000 orphans or homeless children were placed during what is known today as the orphan train movement. And Apparently, especially Catholic and Jewish children were placed on trains and taken to rural sites in the Midwest and in the West in search of homes. And at each stop, the children were put up on platforms to see if anybody would want to take them, which led to the phrase put up for adoption. And it just it really evokes a picture in your mind, doesn't it? It does. And what's so interesting about that specific fact is it kind of came full circle because About 10 years ago, the international adoptions in Ethiopia really slowed down because there were a few agencies that were 
almost doing the same kind wow. of thing. What they were doing is they, they were making videos and they were putting, having the children stand up on those like wooden crates and talking about the child. And in my opinion, that's very similar and it's wrong. Yeah. It's like a modern twist on this horrible orphan train thing. I mean, in a way, you're like, oh, this is great. These kids are being adopted. But there was no real oversight. And actually, that changed in 1917 when they started to investigate all adoptions and kind of make sure that the adoptive parents were not just some rando off the street. Right. And I think, you know, they say that one of the main ways we, we learn and evolve is, is by studying history. Mm -hmm. And we've learned that adoption does definitely re require oversight. Right. And that is also why the, the Hague movement came into play in the adoption world with international adoptions because of this very thing. And the Ethiopia adoptions that we were just talking about is another example, which, um, like I said, the whole, yes, the fact that you, you discussed is huge. And, so, and it affected the adoption world so significantly that we're still learning from it and in different areas and, and avenues. Um, well, the interesting I, thing to me is that, you know, you always hear those who who uh, fail to learn from history repeat it. And that's exactly what happened. You know, I mean, we did this in the nineteen early 1900s. And then in Ethiopia, they do the exact same thing, essentially. And they had to learn the lesson again because they didn't learn it from us. And it wasn't just Ethiopia that that had, you know, it had taken a turn. I mean, you can look at countries like Guatemala, mm -hmm. where um, that wasn't going well, or even Romania, the way that things started happening in Romania. And so, yeah, no, I found it. I found that also absolutely fascinating. And again, the theory that we all should subscribe to is, you know, when you know better, you do better. So we're learning. But... What is still fascinating about this this fact, and you you mentioned the the phrase "put up for adoption." Mm -hmm. You know, we are over almost a hundred years from this point, and yet we're still seeing that terminology be used. Whereas we're trying to shift it, mm -hmm. where we say "place for adoption," not "put up for adoption." Right. You're not and, being set on top of a crate so people can inspect you and see if they want you. It's lovingly right. placed in a home that can help so right you know this isn't uh hsn for children you know what i mean like right <laughs> like we're not doing that and i just i yeah i agree with you i think that is absolutely fascinating hopefully again through the podcast and through adoption awareness we can continue to move along you know what i mean in and push adoption to to a higher level and yes there does need to be uh oversight mm -hmm. for sure Another fact was that over 30,000 children in the American foster system age out every year. And again, like the previous fact a little bit ago, it's it's tragic. It's horrifying, you know, thinking about these kids who make it essentially to age 18, become adults and never have a home. Yeah, they're off at a homeless shelter. Yeah. Another Another fact that is interesting is although no more than – 2% of Americans have actually adopted. More than one-third have considered it. This is where I feel that pe there is good in people. Mm -hmm. People want to do better. They strive to improve themselves. They strive to right. you know, take the high road, to, to do what is right. 
And so I think that when, you know, you think about volunteering or donating or adapting or, you know, you know, the things that are considered good right. in, in parentheses, one third are thinking about it, but yet only 2% follow through with it. Transparency here. I feel that I'm part of that one third that seriously considered it at times, just didn't do it. And even now, you know, sometimes regret it and think, man, I wish we had done that. But it's not yeah. too late. Do you see how old I am? <laughs> it's not too late, Ron. I'm sure our, our listeners would agree with me. Okay. Isn't 60 the new 30? <laughs> Another fact is there are more or orphans globally than the population of the United Kingdom and France combined. Yeah, I, I that one that one that one hurt actually. When I read it that one mm -hmm. hurt, especially when you're seeing holidays everywhere you know i mean right now you know holidays promote families and families are considered the ideal especially being promoted during the holiday everybody's happy there's right. lots of children there's gifts there's santa what about the fact that around seven million americans are adopted persons it's so weird for me to think that i'm one of them like i'm in that statistic does it make you feel kind of unique and special or singled out I promised you and promised our listeners from the very beginning, I would never be anything but straightforward mm -hmm. and, and say my truest sentiments. Both. I got proud to be part of the adoptee club, mm -hmm. um, per se, but nobody wants to be different. Nobody right. wants to be, if there are 10 people in a room and there's one person standing alone, somebody walking into the room is going to want to gravitate towards the larger group rather than maybe the one person. And not everybody, but maybe not the, you know what I mean? That, the small group. Right. Do you think that perception's changing now? Because I mean, so much is importance is placed on diversity and different types of families and stuff now. And so that stigma isn't so stinging. Very much so. Okay. I think that that's, yes, I think that is very much changing. And, you know, as, as I've shared when I was much, much younger, I would always really hesitate to tell people. And now there's, not only no hesitation, clearly I'm promoting it. So it's not, you know, that I, I was adopted. Right. And, and so, also to put that in perspective. So as a kid, you kind of understand that when you were younger, not wanting to feel singled out. But something that uh, Logan said just a couple of weeks ago, he's like, try and stop me from talking about this. I'm proud of this. And so maybe perceptions changing even with kids. And you know what? He really is. Yeah. I mean, he tells everybody, people that we don't even know. <laughs> Some rando on the street. <laughs> yeah. and, 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 and I'm so proud that he has that. All right. So as I had stated many podcasts back, that when I was in school and they would talk about family trees, I would shy away from it. I would make up an excuse like I was sick, you know, cough, cough, and <laughs> not to go. It, I guess it wasn't just me. And that's what's so neat about that. It wasn't just me. Mm -hmm. Because lessons in school that highlighted family trees may be hurtful to children who were adopted and may not know their biological information, researchers have suggested focusing on a family orchard. I can tell you that I still, because back then we didn't talk about adoption, mm -hmm. I wouldn't have wanted to do that either. You know, no. nowadays it would be fine because, you know, there there's not just, you know, one child 
in a grade level that was openly, you know, that was adopted that people talked about. Right. So that wouldn't have helped me back then, but it would definitely help now because now it's celebrated. Now it's, you're not looked at as different or foreign in the sense that you're, you're not like everybody else. Now, it's, so explain to me a little bit about what this family orchard is. Well, I don't know. I would assume that they're talking about different trees in the same area. So Okay, so you've got your adoptive parents here and then you've got your uh biological parents here, but a lot of that is more known now also because a lot more open adoptions which again. And we've got ancestry.com right. and 23andme and yeah. So all of that is expanded. And I think it is. Uh, I think it's a sign of the times now and a good sign. It's nice to hear something good going on in today's yeah, world. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think that that's, that's really interesting to me because, like I, I said, that was something that as a child I really did struggle with. And, mm-hmm. you know, the way that the family trees are now, I know that my adoptive mother is very interested in Ancestry.com. And she's got her tree and everything. I do pretty much have two trees my biological, you know, mother's side and my adoptive mother's side. And Mm. so I guess I do have an orchard. That's awesome. That is. And you could go with that pun, you know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Well, I guess I fell from both. (laughs) One of the ones I found interesting on this list was because it's kind of a psychological thing, but some animal communities show adoptive behavior and there's a baboon family, for example, where infants whose mothers have died are cared for by the young adults in their social groups, and the adoptive parents carry them around and groom them, and they protect them. You know, I just found that really cool because that's what you do as an adoptive parents too. You know, that is, and I know that those are some of my favorite videos on TikTok is <laughs> looking at the baby animals and the moms that have adopted them, and it's so endearing and tear jerking and. It's it's fun to watch. And it's also interesting to recognize that humans are not the only ones that value and engage in adoption. So I think that's really special. That's really good. And that's a really good one to end on for today. And, you know, I think that we should do a second podcast on this because there's so, so many more facts that I want to touch on. And I think that we as a collective adoption community can really learn from these and grow. And that's the purpose of our podcast. We have a pregnancy crisis hotline available 24-7 by phone or text at 623-695-4112. Or you can reach us on our toll-free number 1-800-340-9665. We can make an immediate appointment with you to get you to a safe place, provide food and clothing, and help you get started on creating an Arizona adoption plan, or just give you more information. Check out our blogs on our website at azpregnancyhelp.com and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by looking for AZ Adopt Podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, make sure to rate and review us on whatever platform you use to listen to us and tell your friends about us. Birth Mother Matters in Adoption was written and produced by Kelly Rourke-Scary and edited by me. Thanks go out to Grapes for letting us use their song, I Don't Know, as our theme song. Join us next time on Birth Mother Matters in Adoption. For Kelly Rourke-Scary, I'm Ron Rains, and we'll see you then.